0: Well, hello, and welcome back to the Cincy Reformed podcast. Uh, Zach Wise here again with uh, Pastor Brandon Burks, and we are co-pastors at Westside Reformed Church, and today we're going to be talking about how you can read the Bible uh, better. And to get to that, we're going to be reflecting upon uh, a chapter that Brandon wrote within his book, Thinking God's Thoughts, an Introduction to a Pilgrim Worldview. And chapter 15 within this book uh, covers seven principles for reading God's word well. And so I'm going to be asking Brandon to kind of unpack that for us and to uh, help us to think a bit more about how we can do this. So even if you're somebody who's accustomed to reading the Bible and studying the Bible, probably still going to be very helpful for you to um, stay tuned because I, I know for me, it can, I can easily move on and, you know, maybe forget some of these things or maybe not give due diligence to some of these principles. And so I think that this is going to be helpful for anyone out there, whether you're the more seasoned Christian or someone who's just learning now how to read the Bible, interpret it, and apply responsibly. So uh, Brandon, how about you uh, get us started here with the first uh, principle of seeking God's meaning. What do you mean by that? Seek God's meaning.
1: Yeah, so the first principle, uh, seeking God's meaning. I, I think that that tells us a couple things. One, that the, that there's a meaning in the text. Um, the, the the text of the Bible is not like a piece of clay that we can just mold into whatever we want. And some people do treat the Bible like that. Like I, yeah, you know, they just kind of open it up and they just kind of make the text be whatever they want the text to be. But when I say seek God's meaning, what I'm what I'm after there is uh to understand that the author uh, the divine author has an intended meaning and when we are reading the bible we're trying to seek and understand and 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 wrestle with uh his meaning and uh, and also that it it can be sought. You know, again, there's other people who would say, well, the Bible's too opaque and too convoluted for anybody to really see anything objective in it. But no, God has given the text a meaning and we should seek that meaning. uh, And indeed, uh, we can seek that meaning and we should be encouraged to. I had a quote here from uh, Edmund Clowney and I thought it was helpful. He said, the word of God has an established meaning established by the primary author as it as it is expressed through the inspiration of the Spirit, And he goes on to say further the spirit also interprets the word to our understanding in terms of he's speaking there of of the holy spirit helping us in our bible reading obviously not making us infallible interpreters or anything like that we need to be humble uh in our in our bible interpretation but uh but that we have uh, we have help we have divine help uh as we seek to read and understand uh god's word uh we're also seeking uh god's meaning and i think that by phrasing it that way, seeking God's meaning, we are realizing that the primary author is God, and uh, it's not a human book. And again, I think there's some traps that people can fall into where they approach the Bible almost on like a human kind of level where it's like this human-produced, human-edited, human-preserved kind of book, and they get... Now, I'm I'm not going to discredit the human side, and we're going to get back to that, uh, but just from the outset, we don't want to forget our doctrine of God here, or or our doctrine of Scripture here. Um, Scripture is inspired by God, given to us by God, and uh, yes, he works through the authors, and we're going to get to all of that, but uh, from the outset, let's not abandon our doctrine of Scripture uh, as we're approaching the Bible to read the Bible,
0: understanding that God has given it a meaning. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So God has revealed a word to us, and if God's going to reveal a word, it's probably going to be pretty clear for us, and He's going to, he's going to make it accessible to us. So our first principle is seek God's meaning, and our second principle is scripture interprets scripture. So Brandon, could you help us understand the importance of this principle as well? Right, so scripture interprets scripture
1: shows us, I think, on one level, that the Bible is our highest and our ultimate authority. Um you know, in the in the Reformation it was often said from the Roman Catholic side that the Pope interprets Scripture or the Magisterium or Tradition or something. Whereas the Reformers wanted to say, No, God um, God's Word is is our highest authority, and um, Scripture interprets s- Scripture. Richard Gaffin, he had a helpful uh, statement that I quoted. He said, Scripture has a unified sense, a single pervasive meaning, and because of this, it is its own best interpreter, or better, God, its author, is his own best interpreter. And so, as we're reading the Bible, and we come to maybe a difficult text, we can go to those clear parts in the Bible that speak more clearly about it to get more clarity on it. And so, the Bible is a unified whole. It's not like a like a disorganized scrapbook or something like that, but it's a unified whole. And because of it, we the the clearer parts help to interpret the less clear parts, or the parts that were that are maybe not uh, as uh, readily in our um, in our understanding so we can we can go to to God's Word to get to get um, guidance on on interpreting it
0: excellent well our second principle is scripture interprets scripture move on now to uh, one of the keys I think of understanding scripture here is that Jesus is the focus of the whole Bible this is the third principle again Jesus is the focus of of the whole bible.
1: Yeah, so that's, you know, obviously key as we're as we're in the old testament for example, um, reading Leviticus or reading the Psalms or the Proverbs or whatever it is, um, Jesus is is the focus. And there is a bad reading of the Old Testament. And Jesus called that out during his own time. He said, You read Moses Moses, but Moses spoke of me. And so there was this tradition to read Moses and read the Pentateuch and read the Old Testament, almost void of Christ, void of 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 God's Messiah that uh that um was to come. And so I always thought it was fascinating that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and he has a Bible study, basically, where he he opens up the entire Old Testament, Luke 24 tells us, and shows his disciples, here's where I am. Here's how all of this is talking about me, pointing to me. I was with my people in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is saturated by Christ. And uh, so it's interesting that one of Jesus's Concerns post-resurrection is that his disciples would read the Old Testament scriptures properly. And 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 we see the apostles following suit. We see in the opening chapter of uh, Romans, where he talks about the gospel of Christ that was revealed in Scripture, and there he's talking about the Old Testament, primarily there. And so in the Old Testament, you have the gospel intrinsic to the Old Testament. The Apostle Peter also in First Peter chapter one. He said concerning the salvation and prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully according to what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you, through those who preach the good news to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels longed to look. And there, Peter is talking about the concern of the Old Testament prophets, writing about Christ, pointing everybody to Christ, and so the Old Testament is Christian Scripture. The entire Bible is Christian Scripture. The entire Bible is saturated by Christ. And so we should have a redemptive historical hermeneutic where we're seeing the, the redemptive narrative of Scripture, the, the, the covenant narrative of, of the whole Bible unfolding um, from Genesis to Revelation, pointing everybody to
0: the Son of God. Amen. That's great. Thank you. So the third principle is that Jesus is the focus of all of Scripture. The fourth thing goes into know the genre.
1: Know the genre um, um, quite basically means... um we should know what we're reading. Uh, we should. If, if I'm reading a, a love poem, I should know that it's a love poem that I'm reading. If I'm reading a grocery list, I'd wanna know that it's a grocery list. And I wouldn't wanna confuse a love poem and a grocery list. Uh, those are two different genres. It wouldn't make any sense to go to the grocery store with a list of love power. So, um, know the genre just means that God has written in different genres. He's given us um prophecy. He's given us wisdom books. He's given us pithy proverbs. He's he's uh given us parable and and also historical details. I mean there's some historical book bu- books where he is very much concerned to be accurate historically. But then there's others where he's given us um in the gospels uh, more of a thematic where he's, he's he might not be as concerned to get the the chronology exactly correct but but in terms of 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 a more of a th- thematic approach in the gospels he's he's written in apocalyptic writings where he 's using a lot of uh poetic phrases about the moon turning to blood and locusts and ten horn things and uh, so we just need to be aware. What are we reading? Am I reading an epistle? Am I reading a gospel? Am I reading a proverb? Am I reading a historical narrative? I mean, all of that matters in how we're going to interpret it because we're not going to interpret a poem like we interpret a historical narrative.
0: So genre
1: matters in how we uh, interpret the Bible.
0: Well, that was the fourth principle. The fifth, then, is that history
1: uh, matters. History matters. Uh, History matters, meaning that we should... Uh, be concerned about about historical matters that were going on. For example, when Jesus is talking about uh, Jews and the uh, uh, Samaritans in the parable of the of the good Samaritan, uh, it helps to note the historical background that Jews and Samaritans they didn't like each other. Jews hated Samaritans, and that historical background helps to help imp- helps us understand how radical then. The parable of the Good Samaritan actually is when Jesus was was telling it. It's helpful to know th- uh, things about geography. Are they going up? Are they going down? Are are they s- situated at a high spot when he's talking? Are they not? Those things can help. It be helpful knowing some of the geography, even like in um in, in the book of Revelation when he's talking about uh lukewarm and lukewarm Christians. That uh, uh, is probably a reference to the aqueduct. Uh, system that that they had where the water there was quite lukewarm. And uh, so just kind of knowing some of these things in geography and the historical background is helpful as you're you're reading and as you're interpreting. Vern Poitras, he said, supposed a person concentrates on divine authorship, what did God intend? God intended to speak through a human author. So rightly understood, a focus on divine authorship includes reckoning with a human author. Um, in in speaking to Israel, God takes into account the social context in which he himself has placed them. He speaks in the Hebrew language, a language that he himself has given as a gift to, to human beings. He speaks through a human author who, whom he himself has raised up. And so we're concerned about that human author uh, because uh, there are um, Their writing styles are different. Their personalities are different. John does not write like uh, Paul. Paul does not write like Luke. Luke does not write write like Moses. Moses does not write like David. And so you can see different writing styles. But again, our doctrine of Scripture, we understand that God used these human authors and carried them along um, so that what was written were the exact words of God. Uh, that God intended, and the human authors were kept from sin. Uh, The human authors, in a way, were were, um, the penmen of God. But even still, he did not. It was not like a direct dictation. You know, God did not come to Paul and say, now write this down exactly. And, and and Paul just kind of like dictated what God said. No, God wrote through Paul using all of the gifts, using all of the personality, using all of the knowledge that he had. But again, God is Lord of history. He's the one who raised Paul up. He's the one who raised Peter up. And so he's the Lord of history, and so he's brought and worked inside all of the human authors to bring them to the point where they're going to write Scripture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be kept from error, and what they write are going to be the words of God. So um, it, it's helpful to know about, about the, the humanity of, of Scripture and, and the background the of, of history, of geography, of what's going on. In the background um, that can illumine various things to us or help us to understand different texts.
0: Excellent. So fifth principle is history matters. The uh, sixth principle then is to ask good questions. So ask good questions. Um, asking questions,
1: you know, this is really where I think we can start to get, um, we, can, we, we can start to press in on a text because oftentimes we read and we're so fast. We, we don't stop to think. We don't stop to, 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 to wonder and to ask good questions. Um, I, I, was, um, I was talking with one uh, pastor who in his Bible study time, he was teaching his congregation how to read the Bible better. And so he said, okay, I, he, he gave him a text. He said, I want you to, to read the text. And over the next 15 minutes, I want you to just think of all the questions you could ask. I mean, just riddle this text with as many questions. You know, if there's a name in it, ask, who is that? How does how does this person re- relate to that person? How does this text relate to what it came uh, from? How does this text fit within the chapter that he's talking about? Just ask questions and riddle the text with questions. So he said, he says, set a timer for 15 minutes. And everybody's thinking 15 minutes. That's kind of a long time. But he said, actually, everybody, um, in 15 minutes was actually able to keep thinking of questions within the, the next 15 minutes. And then he said, we're going to take 10 extra minutes, and I want you to think of even more questions. And people were thinking, oh man, 10 more minutes. But he said "You were." he was surprised on how much, how many questions they were actually able to really kind of draw and suck out of the text as they just slowed down, read it, Thought carefully about it, and then after you ask these these questions, then go and seek to answer them. You know what does that word mean? How does that word relate to to this or to that? Who is this person that he's bringing up, and how does it how does it factor in to the text? And so um, answering these good questions. I think, um, um, can be helpful. It can be helpful, again, just to slow down, ask questions. Also ask questions about how how things have developed throughout the entire Bible. It's helpful to, to kind of trace things. Um, so, uh, for example, if you're reading a, a text on, on grumbling, and he's talking about Israel grumbling, and you might say, well, why does... God care about grumbling. Well, you could trace grumbling throughout the entire Bible, starting in the Garden of Eden, and taking it all the way through the New Testament as a constant theme that keeps getting brought up. And we can kind of paint a bigger picture then as to why God does not like grumbling and why it's uh, uh, it's an affront to his, his 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 kindness. You could also, when you're asking good questions, keep an eye on small words that we we tend to not really care about but they're small words like for because likewise these things clue us in on the argument that the author is making so when paul is writing he's he's building this argument and he'll have he'll have a sentence and then he'll say something like for or so that or therefore and you were seeing this argument progress and if you want to trace his argument Um, We need to trace how those clauses are relating to to one another. Is one grounding the other? Is one the result of the other? What is his main point? And sometimes we can find the main point by tracing an argument, by asking good questions on why is he saying, you know, how does this relate to that or how does this sentence build on the next sentence and how is his his argument concluding and and these things. I, I think it's helpful.
0: That's excellent. Well, so that was the sixth principle for us is ask good questions. And the seventh and final one is application is rooted in meaning. And I do think that um, Bible studies all across the country could be greatly helped by this last principle. So listen carefully. (laughs) Principle seven, application is rooted in meaning. Go for it. (laughs) So this one um,
1: really was was meant to kind of combat some of the error that we see in Bible studies, where we, we start the Bible study, you know, what does this text mean to you? And what everybody does is they just start extracting and applying the text to them in all kind of weird ways. Um, well, I think that this text means to me. And then, well, to me, I take it this way. To me, I take it this way. And then all of a sudden, there's this piece of clay in the middle of the room that we're all just bending into our own image, right? Um, It's like an ink, ink blot or
0: clouds in the sky. Oh, that looks like a dog to me. Right,
1: right. (laughs) And it's like, well, no. Again, go back to principle one. There's a meaning in scripture and we need to take our application from that meaning. Some people Mm -hmm. preach... Or, or teach or apply the right doctrine, the right thing, but from the wrong text. Um, a text has nothing to do with that. So, um, so this principle is saying we should first ask what is uh what is the meaning of this of this text and then after we know the meaning of the text okay now we can figure out how how i factor into that text or how how that 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 text affects me or impacts my life Um, understanding what the text means understanding um, how it fits within redemptive history and christ all the way then to me uh, who is in union with christ and how that how that uh how that then flushes out. so.
0: Excellent. The, the seventh and perhaps the most important principle from my um, experience is application is rooted in meaning. And that's going to take you back to the first six, which is really sure. great about yeah. that. So uh, thank you for joining us today. I mean, I think as we kind of wrap this up, it might be uh, worthwhile just have a, a little bit of um, some reflections in terms of how we might encourage you to think about Bible reading. Um, I, I, for one, think that there is actually a lack of both reading and study when we think about the Bible within the evangelical and um, uh, Christian church in our day. I think that on one hand, I think it is good at times, just simply to read scripture, to become more familiar with it. But then that's not done much, I don't think, very well. But then I think also the importance of deep biblical study is also uh, very much lacking. So there's certainly a, a real um, important place for this as we begin to think about really taking God's Word seriously, understanding it well. I think that we probably spend a lot more time analyzing uh, texts that relate to our particular job or something that we're doing around the house. I mean, I'm amazed by how uh, kids can read things and understand some hobby that they're into, or men can read stuff and understand every nuance about the Cincinnati Bengals and what's going on. Or, you know, there are all sorts of places where we take a text very seriously. And I would encourage us to take the Bible even more seriously because, of course, it is uh, God's word uh, given to us. And so, yeah, I I would encourage you, um, you know, some of my closing reflections would be to include this in some of the the rhythms of your day. Um, Reading scripture and also studying scripture. I think oftentimes the Lord's Day is an underutilized resource for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, reflecting deeply in the, on that day of some text of scripture, perhaps the very text that your pastor preached on, or maybe the text that he'll preach on next week, uh, maybe both, but to do some deeper study on um, especially the Lord's Day, but also time uh, permitting uh, throughout the week, maybe at um, family worship, but also to keep in mind the importance of just simply reading it to become more familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any concluding thoughts? Just to...
1: Yeah, I um, you know, going back to what you said, I do think you know it it can be a struggle and kind of balancing out. You know, do I just kind of read the Bible? Do we just sit down and and um, kind of dig in to it and and really seek to understand it well? Um, even like in my own life, I can re- remember there was one year I wanted to I wanted to read the Bible in a year, and so you know I'm working through the read a Bible in a year thing and uh and then, of course, if you miss a day, the next day, you gotta read even more than that and and sometimes you're reading just to kind of like i don't know check mark, right you know, d- did my four chapters for her for for the day or or whatever it is and um uh but at the end of the year, it felt good right to go through the entire Bible. I felt like, okay, you know, I read some of those books that maybe. Um, are less familiar, or I haven't gotten to in a while, and so it was nice to kind of read through all the minor prophets and um, some of the smaller things that perhaps in the Old Testament that I've not spent a lot of time in. But at the same time, sometimes you miss depth. And I remember um, the next year, I said, I'm going to spend time in five books. And I went super deep in five books. Um, so that was more a, more of a, a depth year. I was also in school, so it was kind of like it's hard to do do everything at the same time. So you had to kind of prioritize. So one year was more of a, a breadth of year of getting kind of the whole thing, and one year more. I'm just gonna hone in, focus in on these things to really kind of mind them and their truth, and and uh, yeah, s- seek to apply
0: them to to my life. But. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for joining us uh, this week. Uh, Brandon's uh, book is Thinking God's Thoughts: An Introduction to a Pilgrim. Worldview, I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, we were reflecting on and discussing uh, chapter 15 from uh, this book that really sets out many of the basics of the Christian life how to think the cr- Christian thoughts, how to um, come to Scripture and be rooted in Scripture, how to engage with some of the objections that might be made toward uh, Scripture and toward the Christian faith. So, really, would commend, uh, commend this to you. Thank you for taking the time to, to write it, and thank you for uh, joining us this week on the Sensory Reform podcast. Uh, we're sponsored by Westside Reform Church, and we hope you join us again uh, next week. Thanks.